You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. In this CyberWire special report, we take a look back at RSA, specifically at international opportunities for trade and investment in cybersecurity. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with a CyberWire special report on trade and investment. It's Thursday, March 10th, 2016, and thanks for joining us. We had occasion at RSA to speak with representatives of several international firms and government trade missions, some of the firms we've discussed in earlier posts. We offer a summary of our conversations with three others in today's edition. The United Kingdom was heavily represented at RSA, and we spoke at length with Andrew Williams, their cyber envoy to the United States. It's worth noting a few patterns in the UK's very active presence in the cybersecurity market. The government has taken an active role in the incubation and promotion of cyber startups. There's an obvious alpha customer in the UK, and British universities are also making a substantial contribution to research and development. We'll hear from Andrew Williams after the break. We had an opportunity to visit the German Pavilion as well, where we spoke with representatives of that country's Internet Industry Association. German firms exhibit a strong commitment to international business and a sophisticated understanding of the agreements, policies, and regimes that shape it. The well-established, if dismal, principle that living in a bad neighborhood tends to produce innovative security products and technologies was borne out by what we learned in conversations with representatives from the Republic of Korea and Israel. South Korean companies are fueled by the necessity of coping with essentially continuous cyber mischief from their northern neighbor on the peninsula. We've been following developments there this week as South Korean intelligence services outline recent cyber espionage campaigns mounted by the DPRK. And as the U.S. and the Republic of Korea move to make an already tight cooperative relationship even closer. We spoke with Tyle Cho of the Korean Trade Investment Protection Agency. He stressed the country's openness not only to exporting advanced technology, but also to partnering with international businesses. We also note that the U.S. Department of Commerce will be sending a trade mission to South Korea this May. The mission will visit Japan and Taiwan as well. You can read about our discussions with Skate Offense, FortScale, and Secto, all of which operate in Israel, in today's special RSA retrospective on our website, thecyberwire.com. This podcast is made possible by the Economic Alliance of Greater Baltimore, helping Maryland lead the nation in cybersecurity with a large, highly qualified workforce, 20,000 job openings, investment opportunities, and proximity to key buyers. Learn more at greaterbaltimore.org.
RSA is, of course, an international conference drawing attendees and exhibitors from around the world. Andy Williams is the UK cyber envoy. His mission at RSA was to spread the word about his nation's significant cyber capabilities, to help facilitate business relationships with companies in the US, and to promote the technologies that UK companies were showing at the conference. Telesoft Technologies is one of those companies, and Matthew George is their CTO. He'll tell us about their effort to bring the speed of FPGAs to the market. And finally, we'll hear from Ezekiel Gutesman, Director of Research at Onapsis Research Labs. He'll share the findings from a Ponemann report on security within Germany's SAP. First up is Andy Williams, Cyber Envoy from the UK. We have a very uh, strong position in the UK. I think the UK is generally recognized as one of the top three uh, leading countries in terms of providing cybersecurity capability globally. Uh, we have a very strong heritage in cybersecurity going back to the Second World War and signals intelligence, and obviously a very strong uh, collaborative relationship with the US, which is another reason why um, UK companies are interested to engage in the US market. The US and UK have much in common, says Williams, making them a natural fit. Actually, the UK is the uh, most popular destination for US cybersecurity companies who are seeking to um, enter the European market, you know, for all the obvious reasons around common language, uh, similar business regulatory environment, etc. About 80% of all US companies that decide to enter the European market originally set up in London. And uh, they find that a very uh, business-friendly environment, but also... There are already extremely strong links between the U.S. and the U.K. So if, you, but if your U.S. company has been doing business successfully in the U.S., you're likely to have clients that have some kind of operational presence in the U.K. already. Part of his team's responsibility is providing support for international companies that wish to do business in the U.K. Yes, so particularly when you're entering a new market for the first time, building relationships is fundamental. So part of what the UK government does is help organizations that are coming in to understand who they need to meet with uh, and what they need to know in order to accelerate their, the launch of their business in the UK. Uh, we also help companies that set up in the UK that become incorporated as UK companies to export to other European markets. It's not only about helping them uh, set up and establish in the UK, but if they're targeting mainland Europe or even the wider European, Middle East and Africa market, we have people in country that can help support them uh, in those markets as well. Mr. Williams also shared his view on the Safe Harbor Privacy Agreement. We're actually supportive of the idea that the um, Safe Harbor Agreement needs to be developed uh, and made more relevant for the environment that we're living in today. Uh, more and more companies, particularly as uh, cloud computing, for example, uh, develops, are needing to host customer data outside of the originating country. And our view is that that is absolutely vital for the development of global commerce. However, it needs to be done in a safe and secure way. And obviously, the uh, European Union and some of the uh, efforts that it currently has underway will be effectively launching cyber harbor, uh, Safe Harbor uh, version 2, which will have built into it many more um, personal safeguards around how data is used, how it's stored, how an individual has rights to understand how that data is being stored and used in other countries, and we welcome that. He also highlighted some of the structural differences between the way the U.S. and the U.K. handle governmental cybersecurity. 
In the U.S. right now, you have the Department of Homeland Security, which is an overarching agency. Uh, we don't have currently an overarching agency, uh, so cyber is handled in a number of different uh, ways in government. However, we're about to launch the new uh, U.K. cybersecurity strategy in the next month or two, and that's one of the aspects uh, that we're currently addressing. So we will be standing up a new national cybersecurity centre that will become a focal point for all of the government's cybersecurity activity in the UK, uh, looking fairly similar uh, in shape to what the uh, DHS uh, does here in the US as that overarching agency that supports uh, the whole of government on cybersecurity. The UK has substantial resources in place to help companies looking to explore the possibilities of doing business together. We have a network of consulates all over the U.S. I'm personally based in Washington, D.C., but we have consulates uh, in about 20 regions of the U.S. with staff who are trained and knowledgeable about helping U.S. companies even before they've decided to uh, export on what they need to understand. Once they've gone past that stage, we can actually put them in touch with experts in the U.K., that can help manage the process of setting up. So, for example, finding partners um, and you know being put in touch with professional services experts that can handle the le- the legal aspects of setting up in, in country and a raft of other services. So that can be done both here in the U.S. and also in the U.K. Telesoft Technologies is one of the companies that Andy Williams is promoting, and Matthew George is their CTO. They're a hardware company leveraging the speed of FPGAs, field programmable gate arrays. We've been about for uh, 25 years. We've come from the CSP and secure government sort of sector, traditionally kind of looking at telephony and signal processing. And more recently, we've swung over to try and leverage that technology with a view to process packets and accelerate applications running on commodity hardware with a view to helping people achieve total network visibility with a goal to uh, improving their incident response. Telesoft uses the hardware of FPGAs to accelerate processes that traditionally ran in software. If you were to ask me, you know, kind of um, what's at the core of Telesoft technology, there's a bunch of very clever guys um, coding VHDL, and creating FPGA uh, binary images that we use and we custom those images to accelerate applications. So things like uh, Bro, Suricata, you know, things that integrate with Splunk um, and and other kind of seams and and things like that um, to give these incident response teams a real kind of leg up to to help them look at the, the internal traffic within their network. A lot of these security teams, they have, they have really good kind of protection at the boundary of their network, but quite often the interior of their network is a kind of much higher throughput, so a lot more packets flying around. It, it's harder to kind of for them to get a grasp on um, what's going on within, within that network. So um, we've chosen to accelerate open source applications because they, they present less of a monolithic black box product for people to get their heads around. So, you know, people might be taking perimeter kit from kind of FireEye or Palo Alto, whoever. But really, when, they're, when you've got these dedicated teams working full-time to look at data within their network and respond to incidents and, and work out root causes, etc., they really need a product that they can get their, get their heads around, 
um, maybe talk to the development team. Uh, you know, that sort of level of involvement. According to Matthew George, the advantages of using hardware over software are speed and scalability. When you, when you want to scale to extreme data rates, and typically when you're looking inside your network, your traffic is going to be you know, an order of magnitude bigger than your perimeter traffic, right? So at that point, will software scale? Maybe. I mean, can you, can you run DPI on kind of 100 gig of traffic in software? You know, that, that's going to be a real challenge, right? Can you, can you produce unsampled NetFlow on 100 gig of data? Again, you know, that's going to be a real challenge if you're just using software. So, so I think, I think you know, the, um, the power of FPGA is its ability to process every packet at line rate. You can't sample. You have, you have to look at every packet. Um, you know, and that's where FPGAs come, come into their own, right? You can, you can kind of, you know, you're coming straight off, straight off the wire, straight into an FPGA, and, and then we're passing the packets up to software. And, uh, but, but we're adding a real kind of, you know, kick in the pants from a performance perspective. You can learn more about Telesoft at telesoft-technologies.com. Onapsis Research Labs sell a security platform that works with products from German business software giant SAP. Ezekiel Gutesman is director of research at Onapsis, and they sponsored a Ponemon Institute research survey on SAP cybersecurity. Well, basically, we uh, interviewed uh, more than 600 IT uh, practitioners, and we came up with really interesting numbers. The most interesting things came up when uh, most of the interviewed people uh, really understood that they haven't had a problem and lack of visibility in Terraform's SAP security. They really don't know how to tackle that. The patching windows for SAP systems are huge. So you face into the problem of deciding when to apply a patch. And sometimes we had customers that couldn't apply that patch for eight months since the patch was available. So basically since the moment we discovered a vulnerability, it has been, there have been some cases where 12 or 24 months in some cases of uh, exposure were, were there. So what we, tried, what we try to do is reduce that, uh, that window and give visibility to the to the people responsible for the security. Also, from the from the report, there's no clear ownership who owned the SAP security, whether it was the IT security teams or the SAP application teams. Also, part of our work is bringing those teams together and give them the information they need and what they need to patch, help them prioritize and plan their security practice. The study found that in many companies there was a knowledge gap at the executive level. Most of the data here expresses that uh, people. The senior management doesn't really know. For example, there's a question where our senior leadership knows what data resides in our company SAP systems. Only 23% said that they did. And that's surprised because SAP systems are responsible for carrying all the business information, financial and integrations with financial endpoints. Um, And then the lack of visibility they have for the security of those platforms. Since a few years ago, you would ask about SAP security and they would say, well, but that's in our internal network, mm-hmm. but nowadays that's, there's no th- such thing as the internal network. They are uh, interconnected with uh, mobile devices and external applications and external services. Um, so you really need to have a fresh look at, at how SAP security is, is uh, evolving. The speed in which uh, vulnerabilities are discovered is 
way faster than the speed that uh, customers can patch. You can read the complete Ponoman report on security within SAP systems at onapsis.com. And that wraps up our RSA 2016 special coverage. Thanks again to everyone who visited us at our booth and helped us spread the word about the CyberWire and the CyberWire podcast. We're growing like gangbusters, and we couldn't do it without you. So thanks. The CyberWire is a production of CyberPoint International, and our editor is John Petrick. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber.